1: A spiritual sawmill. Coming up next on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
2: Jesus says that you must be more concerned with judging and correcting yourself and your own faults before you judge and try to correct the faults of other people. In other words, self-knowledge and self-reform are two necessary traits in the life of the true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who is truly seeking to reform the world with the gospel.
1: Log Removal. That's the subject of today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Greetings in Christ, and welcome to today's broadcast. Pastor Gary Wagner takes us to Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 42. Familiar passage for many of us log removal. That's precisely what we're looking at. Getting cleansed a bit to be able to help others in the same process. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
2: Luke chapter 6, verses 39. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Jesus is here warned his disciples that blind leaders and blind followers will fall into the pit of hell. But he has also informed them that if they make him their teacher and they devote themselves entirely to his person and to his word, allowing that word to fully train them in the will and the ways of God, they will be like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In the way they think, in the way they look at life, in their inner life, in the way they live and behave day by day. And now he continues to teach them about the true nature of discipleship in contrast to hypocrisy. He gives them a parable that not only illustrates the nature and cause of spiritual blindness, why some people are blind leaders and others are blind followers, but he also instructs them concerning two things that are absolutely essential for the disciple in the kingdom of God. And those two things are self-discipline and mutual discipline. Now, before we apply this parable, let's look at its content. There are two people mentioned in this parable. One person has what the New American Standard Bible says is a speck in his eye. And that speck in Greek is a dry twig or straw. Now, that's going to hurt... And it will affect your sight. But you will still be able to see if you keep that one eye shot that has the speck in it. It It is serious, but you still have some measure of sight. Your vision will be blurred, but you will not be totally blind. On the other hand, you have another man who criticizes the man with a twig in his eye. And this critic has a log in his eye. Now that word log in Greek means a heavy piece of timber that's used for something like a joist in a building. So here is a person with a huge heavy piece of timber sticking right out of his eye. And he, of course, is totally blind. Now this whole situation is is ludicrous. Because you have this man with a log sticking out of his eye, criticizing someone for having a small twig in his eye, calling upon the guy with the twig to remove it, while the entire time he's not willing to move this huge log from his own eye. The parable is simple, and it is rather humorous as well. The critic is not a true disciple. Jesus calls him a hypocrite. Now understand, the one doing the criticism is not a disciple of Christ. He is a hypocrite. And no hypocrites are allowed in Christ's kingdom. That is a basic principle that you must burn upon your conscience. Christ. Kingdom has no hypocrites in it. A disciple cannot be a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a counterfeit. He is a pretender, a phony who plays disciple. But he's not one on the inside. He's more concerned with impressing other people than he is with impressing God. In fact, he cares very little about what God thinks of him as long as you think highly of him. His entire religion may be correct on the outside, but it is purely external, formal, self-congratulating. He's always doing things to boost his own ego, and he's extremely censorious, always criticizing other people, because then he can think more highly of himself. And feel superior to others. Now let me say, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that there are hypocrites in the visible church. The visible church today is full of hypocrites. But the problem is, when we allow the presence of hypocrites in the church to keep us from church, or to keep us from zealously serving Almighty God. Yeah, people say, you know, so-and-so, he's a leader in that church. And everyone thinks he's such a great guy. But I know he's a hypocrite. So I'm not going to get that involved in church. Or I'm not going to go at all. Beloved, don't ever let a hypocrite stand between you and the living God. Because there are no hypocrites on the straight and narrow way that leads to life. And if you are allowing a hypocrite... To keep you from serving God. Then it is obvious you also are a hypocrite on the wrong road. And there are no hypocrites on the road that leads to eternal life. Those who stay away from church or refuse to be active in the church. Because there are hypocrites in the church are themselves hypocrites. Because they pretend to be concerned about spiritual things, but they found a good excuse to justify their own laziness and apathy and self-centeredness. And let me assure you, the hypocrite is dedicated to finding self-justification for his laziness. The critics of Jesus' day were the Pharisees. Today, there are those who live and think like the Pharisees, who are so full of self righteousness that they are quick to judge other people so as to justify themselves. But they're unwilling and unable to examine their own lives and find in themselves faults that are even greater than the faults that they criticize in other people. You know, I'm okay. Oh, I have personality flaws, but I'm basically good. I'm a good, upright person. I've never embezzled much money. I've never hated too many people. I've never had that many lustful thoughts. And at least I haven't put those thoughts into practice. I'm basically a good person. And that should really go a long way with God. Therefore, I have the right to criticize and cut down other people. Although, as the Pharisee says... I'm not willing to look deep down into my own heart. So you see, Pharisees are people who have logs in their eyes. And those logs are blinding them. And what are the logs that blind people today, that keep them from seeing straight? They are the logs of self-trust, self-love, self-esteem, and self-righteousness. They trust in themselves supremely. They trust in their own experiences. They trust in their own ability to make it through life. I I can handle whatever life hands me. If I have to stand before God, I can handle that too. I have experienced a lot in life. I've, I've got good common sense. I've gotten a lot of training in my life. You see, I've been through the mill. I've been through the school of hard knocks. And as a result, I have confidence in my own ability to see straight and understand life and make sense of it. I'm confident I can make my own good decisions. That log of self-trust blinds a man from seeing his proper relationship with God and makes him a hypocrite. He's blinded by self-love. There is nothing the hypocrite loves more in all the world than satisfying his own desires, than pleasing himself, doing what he wants to do. And if God's will and his will ever contradict each other, it's God's will that falls by the wayside. Because my will must be done. I must satisfy myself, do what I want to do. I know what God expects of me as a husband, but I don't want to do it. I know what God expects of me as a wife, but I'm just not prepared to do it. It's too difficult. I know what God expects of me as a Christian young person, but I've got a lot of life to live before I settle into that. I won't do it. You see, a hypocrite is someone who says, I know what God demands of me, I'm not going to do it. And I will think up of every conceivable reason I possibly can to justify my opinion. But if the hypocrite were to examine his own heart, take the log out of his eye for just a second, and with the help of the Holy Spirit look down deep inside himself, he would really know he's just playing games with himself. He's just making up excuses to justify his own spiritual laziness and lethargy and apathy and unwillingness to serve God with his life. Another log is of self-esteem. We esteem ourselves so highly beloved. I'm not willing to get my hands dirty for the kingdom. I'm I'm not willing to suffer the controversy, the slander, the criticism that goes with being that kind of Christian. That's just too sacrificial. And he's basically saying, I'm in love with myself. I have an extreme high esteem of myself. I'm a good person and everyone else is less than me. Now understand, these are logs that blind people. Self-trust, self-righteousness, self-satisfaction, self-love, self-esteem. And the tragedy that I want you to notice today is that the very things our culture admires in people and the very things synthetic Christianity recommends are the things Jesus said makes a person blind. You can go into church after church today. and You'll find preachers in some of the biggest churches in America who write some of the best-selling books say to you, in order to live for Christ, you must have high self-esteem. You must be full of self-love, self trust And as one church billboard I saw one time said, we develop self-righteousness in our church. And I'm sure they do. Because, beloved, they believe you have to have high self-esteem before you can help anyone else. The thing that the church in the 21st century recommends, Jesus says, are the very things that blind you and make you incapable of living a God-centered life. He calls us to be humble. And beloved, those kinds of ideas make us a hypocrite. Churches have become hypocrite mills. They're filling the world with people that are as blind as bats. The very thing Jesus says makes you blind are the things that our culture and synthetic churches admire and promote the most. You see, Jesus is just too out of step with the culture. Now if you tell most people in our culture and in many of our churches today that these are things that blind you, they will look at you as if you are the blind person. You see, the most pathetic thing about our culture is that as blind as they are, as blind as it, it is as blind as a bat, but it thinks, it can see with twenty-twenty vision. And when you say to most people, you are blind and your whole perspective is askew and leads to darkness, then our age will look at you as if you are a total fool and say, can't you see? You're the one. Who's blind? Now what's the main point of the parable? It is a simple point, but it is very important. When we understand it, it will help us understand the difference between true discipleship and hypocrisy. It is simply this. Before judging and correcting other people, we must first correct ourselves. Now hopefully I didn't really need to tell any of you that. Because anyone who reads this, who is not blind, should understand the point here. Now I know, trust me, it's easier to criticize other people than it is ourselves. But Jesus says that you must be more concerned with judging and correcting yourself and your own faults before you judge and try to correct the faults of other people. In other words, self-knowledge and self-reform are two necessary traits in the life of the true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is truly seeking to reform the world with the gospel. In fact, when we involve ourselves in, Christian, in the Christian reconstruction of society, and that's what this church is all about, beloved, we're Christian reconstructionists. And when we concern ourselves with the reconstruction of society and education and morals and politics and pro-life and finances, etc., etc., without first of all looking deep into ourselves to know ourselves and correct ourselves, all of our work in the world will be pure presumption and ugliness rather than being characterized by beauty and by love. After all... Remember what the Westminster Confession of Faith says. It says that a Christian is someone who is going to repent of his own particular sins particularly. Now are you repenting of your particular sins particularly? Understand I'm talking about those sins that particularly plague your life. Not just your sins in general. Father, forgive me of all my sins. Now, I have a problem with all kinds of sins. But there are certain things that may particularly bother you that don't bother me and vice versa. So you need to know yourself. Know what your own particular sins are and focus in on them. Because those are the logs in your life. Deal with your own particular sins particularly. That's what Christ is talking about here. Be willing to know yourself and criticize yourself and correct yourself. This is absolutely essential in the life of the Christian, but most of us are really afraid to know ourselves. You know, we don't like to go see the doctor because we don't want to know there's anything wrong with our health. We don't like to have our investments audited or even look at our checking account because we don't want to know we have less money than we thought. And we don't want to look deep down into our hearts because we don't want to admit what is truly down there. After all, my life's okay, everything's stable. We don't want to go below the surface because we know that we will probably find what we will find there. And it will be the opposite of what we want everyone else to think about us, including ourselves. So I ask you, beloved, are you dealing with the logs in your eye? Is your religion one of correct, orthodox, external obedience? Or have you been willing to look below the surface... And then make the necessary corrections. Now do you think there's any significance at all in the fact that Jesus refers to the eye in this parable? It could have been just as easy to find some other sensitive part of the body. To stick the log in, and the splinter in. Why didn't he say you've got a log or a splinter in your ear? Why didn't he say you have a log or a splinter on the bottom of your foot. Now, if you're like me, the bottom of your foot's a pretty sensitive place. Why is he talking about the eyes? Perhaps he's not just thinking about the difference in sin. Some are tiny little twigs and some are gigantic logs. Maybe he's concerned with a person's moral and spiritual perception. Maybe he's concerned with the way a person sees through his eyes. And that some people are slightly wrong in their perception because they have this twig. And others are totally wrong in their perception of things because they have this log sticking out of their eyes. Perhaps the reason he mentions the eye in this parable is because his concern is the contrast of spiritual blindness and spiritual sight. And rather than making the point generally that we have to deal with our own faults and correct them before we deal with the faults and correct them in other people, maybe the comparison is someone who is empty of all spiritual insight and who is pretending to guide someone else who is lacking in that insight in a much smaller degree. Here is a man whose view of life is slightly blurred. And here's another man who can't see at all. His perception of life is all wrong. And this person who has a darkened perception of life is now trying to instruct a person who has a less deceived and a less perverted understanding of life. Now, if that is what Jesus is saying, if that is the way he used the illustration of an eye, then he is telling us the log in a person's eye keeps a man from seeing life clearly. It keeps him from properly perceiving things in his life as God would. He doesn't know it. He, he thinks he can see straight, so he tries to teach and correct and help others see clearly who are only a little off kilter on how they perceive life. Now what is it that causes a man to have a totally blurred perverted perception of life so that he sees things that aren't really there or he can't see things that are really there or his perception of things is so twisted that he sees uh, he sees uh, what is really there are two what are really there are two different things what is it that spiritually and morally fouls up a man's sight so much that the only thing you can say about it is that that man, is, it's like having a log in his eye. Well, to put it as simply as I know how, that one thing that is like a log, which blurs your entire spiritual perception of life, is a lack of wisdom. Now, if you have wisdom and nothing else, you have, really, beloved, all you need. Wisdom isn't something you get from school or experience. And wisdom is one of the rarest things in the world. Wise people are the rarest people in the world today. And there are a lot of reasons why there is less wisdom today than there was 50 to 60 years ago. One reason is because of the departure of our culture from Christ and His Word. Another reason is because people have the wrong ideas how to obtain wisdom in the first place. If you ask some people, how do you get wisdom? They'll say, you get wisdom by going to school and reading books. The more schooling you have at the better schools, the more wise you will be. Listen, beloved, I have known several people in my life, including some of my professors in college, who had lots of degrees after their name, but who had absolutely no wisdom at all.